Hi, welcome to Eventwell Week. Uh, we're really so happy to have you on board. And uh, I'd really like to give a really, really warm, warm welcome to Alicia. Alicia is joining us from the United States, uh, where it's um, about nine in the morning. So um, welcome. Um, we're really happy to have you on board and uh, we're really looking forward to your session, What's Keeping You Up at Night? Um, just a very quick introduction. Um, Alicia is an industrial and organizational psychologist. Um, uh, she's an expert in perspective shifting and she works with a whole host of professionals, leaders and teams uh, to be seen and heard get unstuck, survive and thrive in their roles. Um, uh, you can connect with Alicia on LinkedIn uh, for further information. Um, but um, uh, Alicia, I'm going to hand over to you now for your session. Thank you, Yvonne. Um, thanks, everyone, for being here today. I want to start with a story. At 12 years old, my grandfather, Gramps, he mandated that all of us grandkids get scuba certified. So I find myself at 12 years old in the middle of the open ocean on a boat full of strangers. And I am terrified. I am so anxious and uncomfortable. And not only am I mentally uncomfortable, I'm physically uncomfortable. I am wearing a wetsuit that's covering me from ankle to throat. I have the fins, the mask, the vest, the oxygen tank, and a weight belt. I am wearing 60 pounds of extra gear on my already skinny as a beanpole self that's completely weighing me down. My throat is on fire. My stomach is doing jumping jacks. I've got a pulse in my face. I am so overwhelmed and anxious. We stop to anchor the boat and I am praying that I do not pass out while the sun is beaming down on me and I'm completely weighted down by all this extra gear. So I shuffle from one end of the boat to the other end of the boat to get in the water. And I look down and I am so scared to jump in. I actually had to get a little push overboard, but as soon as I hit the water, all of that feeling of anxiety dissipated. I was floating effortlessly and weightless at the surface of the ocean. And I don't know if you've ever been scuba diving before, but if you have, you'll know that as soon as you descend beneath the surface, it's as if everything above the water is on pause. All you can hear is the sound of your breath breathing in and blowing out. You can move only so quick because your fins move very slow and you're taking in everything around you, the beautiful coral and the fish. No one can interrupt you. No one can tap on your shoulder and ask you a question. There are no kids screaming in the background or phones buzzing. You are simply in the present moment taking in the world around you. It is complete and utter peace. Now, I don't know about you, but I have felt very far from that feeling of peace for the last 18 months. And I don't know many of you that are here today, but I do know that every single one of us has been impacted by circumstances outside of our control 
that have gone on in our environment for the last 18 months. Some of us have been impacted more negatively than others, of course, but each one of us has had to flex and learn new ways of work and play. And so today and this week, we have this wonderful opportunity to come together and to be with, even though we're virtually, we're here with other peers and leaders, and we can take a pause and focus on ourselves and our mental well-being. So let's use that to our advantage. So before we get started, I'm going to ask everyone to stand up wherever you are, if you're in your kitchen or in your home office or at a coffee shop. Hopefully you're not a coffee shop. People might give you funny looks in just a moment, but I want you to stand up wherever you are and make sure that you have some room around you, okay? And take a look and see where you are. Now, I'm going to read you a list of words, and I want you to just go with your gut reaction. If this word hits you more positively, take a step forward. And if this word hits you more negatively, take a step back. Okay, go with your gut instinct. There are no right or wrong answers and no one can see you. So it's fine. Okay. First word, hybrid, innovation, challenge, virtual event, change, COVID-19, mental health. Perspective, confidence, mindset, socialize, access, Zoom. Okay, hopefully y'all weren't hopping back and forth too much, but I know we're not all in the same room and you can't see the people around you but I can guarantee that every single one of you is in a different space because each of these words, these are words that we're hearing in our world right now. These are the, this is the language that we're using. I know you've heard each of these words at least once over the past two years, right? But they all hit us a little bit differently based on our experiences, what we're going through personally and our own perspectives. So just remember, as you're going through your day-to-day, -day, when we hit the unpause button and we go back to our life, think about what other people around us might be going through and how we can take care of ourselves in order to show up to help take care of others. Okay, so now I want to go back to my scuba story. And it's your turn to get in the boat, okay? So if you would, take out a sheet of paper. You can get a sticky note or just a scratch sheet or the back of a magazine or something around you. And I want you to draw a horizontal line across the center of your paper. Okay, this represents your water line. Okay. So we're still on the surface of the ocean. All right. And I'm going to ask you three questions. First question is, what is something that's weighing you down? in your life. What's weighing you down in your life right now? And you can feel free to type it in the chat if you'd like. I also wanted to show you a couple things that other people have shared with me that's weighing them down right now. Teenagers don't have any, but I was one and I understand that, okay? 
taking care of aging parents, bills, a pending divorce, uh, connecting with their staff virtually. We're all going through something. There's always something that's weighing us down or keeping us up at night. Okay. So you're going to write that at your waterline. Okay. Second question. We're still above the surface. Okay. I want you to choose one word that represents the emotion associated with what's weighing you down. Okay. I know what you're thinking. Whenever we use the words emotion, maybe not this group, but a lot of times I get crazy looks like I'm not about to talk about my emotions, but we're human. We're not robots. So at the core of everything that we do and how we operate is an emotion, is a feeling. Now it only behooves us to better understand what those are so that we can behave and show up more effectively. Okay. So choose one word that represents the emotion associated with what's weighing you down. And just to help, I have a wheel of emotions here. If you need a prompt, um, this is just a helpful guide. If you need some, some help picking out a word. And if you have chosen a word like mad, sad, scared, whatever, I want you to peel that back and get down to a deeper, juicier word that represents how you feel. Okay. Third and final question, choose one word that represents the emotion that you would like to feel about what's weighing you down. This is ideal state. This is that under the surface of the ocean feeling. Choose one word that represents how you would like to feel about what's weighing you down. Okay. The average human has 6,200 thoughts per day. Can you guess how many of those, the percentage of how many of those are positive versus negative? If you guessed 80, 20, you're right. 80% of our 6,200 thoughts per day are negative. That's crazy. And studies also show that 85% of those negative thoughts are things that we worry about that don't actually come true. They never even happen. And so the 15% of those negative thoughts that we worry about that do come true, studies show that more than half of those people are better equipped than they think to deal with the outcome of that, or it was a lesson worth learning, okay? So this means that we spend a lot of our mental time and energy just thinking about potential negative impacts of the things that are worrying us, the things that are weighing us down, things that are keeping us up at night. So it's really not about what's weighing us down. It's not about the event or even the intensity of that event. It's really about the negative thoughts and emotions associated with what's weighing us down that impacts our mental health and well-being. So if we can find a way to wrangle those thoughts and emotions together and manage them, then we can actually have a direct impact on increasing our mental health, becoming more resilient, 
and just having overall sanity so that we can show up for all the roles that we play in our life and lower our stress levels as well. So I'm going to walk you through a very simple framework called the RE3 model. The RE3 model is a way to manage negative thoughts and emotions so that we can live our life to the fullest. So the first RE is rename, reframe, and replace. This are, these are the three steps of the RE3 model. So I want to go through what each one is very briefly. We'll talk about what it is and how you can apply it to manage your negative thoughts and emotions and live to your fullest. First is rename. Just like it sounds, we take a negative thought and emotion and we give it a name. So these negative thoughts and emotions, this is the, the knot in your stomach when the phone rings late at night. These are the swirling thoughts that keep you up at night. This is the cold wave that you feel washing over you from head to toe when the doctor says we have bad news. We're taking those feelings and we're giving it a name. And what happens is when we name something, it becomes a thing. And we can do something with the thing. We can take action on it. We can release it. We can communicate about it more effectively. And by no means, when we name something, are we giving it power? We're simply giving it a designation so we can put it in a box and we can manage it. Okay. So whenever we learn to identify, label, and express emotions, we actually activate the right ventrolateral prefrontal cortex of the brain. It's a mouthful. Um, and so this is the area of the brain associated with um, processing emotions and behaviors. And just like a muscle, when we, again, learn to label, identify, and name something and express it, we strengthen that area of the brain. And that results in next time we feel that emotion, we're able to quickly know how to process it, which results in acting more responsively and less reactively when we feel that icky feeling inside. So I'm not sure if any of you are uh, fans of Adam Grant. He is a fellow industrial and organizational psychologist. He has a wonderful podcast called Work Life, if you're interested. And during the pandemic, he wrote an article about a word that I completely related to. And it gave a name to the feeling and the emotion that I had been experiencing for many, many months. And it's languishing, to languish. And this means the chronic state of anguish. It sounds very, very sad. And it is a little sad, but thinking about when do we go back to work, lack of human social connection, um, sitting in my apartment day after day, having conversations with Richard, my dog, that month after month, not knowing when it will end is this chronic state of anguish called languish. When you think about psychology, People at the peak of the mountain are thriving, flourishing, energized, living their best life. And people in the valley, this is where depression and hopelessness and despair exists. And there's this very undiagnosed area in the middle, and that is languish. This is the area um, of being indifferent about your indifference. And so on paper, I have a job. I have a good job. I have a roof over my head. I'm healthy. I have a support network. They're not here physically, but they're here. But 
I was still feeling very deflated and little less joyless and a little bit of a lack of energy. And so when we can name something, we can then take action on it. When I understood what languish meant, I now could do something about it. So you've already named your emotion. Hopefully you wrote it on the top of your paper above your waterline. If you haven't, do that now. And now we're going to take action on it. Either you're going to take your pen or your marker and you're going to scribble it out or you're going to detach it from your paper and you're going to rip it up and make confetti. So we're going to now take action on that negative thought and emotion that we renamed. Okay, let's go to step two, which is, well, okay, sorry. This is a picture of me during quarantine after I'd had many conversations with Richard the dog. So now we'll go to reframe. So reframe, this is our second step. So glasses are also called frames for a reason because they support the lens in which we look out and we take in the world and the environment around us. And so our frames are made up of our own context, our educational background, our experiences, where we were raised, our third grade teachers. It's how we're wired and we can't necessarily change our frames. So we're gonna take a look at the screen and tell me what you see here. Okay, you probably see black boxes, a white grid, some people tell me they see waffles or a city, uh, a city map. I don't know what you see. Um, you also might see that there are gray dots at the intersections of the white grid. If you do, that is perfectly fine. Your brain is working just right, okay? So the reason that we see this, this is an optical illusion. The gray dots are not actually there. But what happens is the retinal cells in our eyes are adjusting the brightness between the black squares and the white grid so that we can see the whole image. And that's why we see those gray dots. And so therefore, when you look right at the, the center of the intersection, you won't see the gray dot, but when you move your eyes around, you'll be able to see them. Our unconscious bias works in the same way as these gray dots. There's something that we see and we believe so adamantly in our brain, but it's not actually there. And we can get ourselves in trouble when we make assumptions or conclusions based on our gray dots or things that we just put together because we don't have all the information. So we use our experiences, we use our education, we use our life experiences to help us fill in the gaps in the intersection with our conclusions and our assumptions. And sometimes they're not always accurate. These are our biases. And again, we can't change it. It's how we're wired. But we also can't unsee our gray dots. They are just there, but we can be aware that they exist. And so we have to reframe to get out of our lens and get a perspective of another so that we can check our gray dots and we can make more effective decisions. So how do you reframe? First is you check your gray dots. You just say, I have gray dots, they're there. Maybe you don't know what they are, but try to identify what are my gray dots? What are my assumptions based on what I just think that may or may not be factual? Two, get an outsider's perspective. 
go to a trusted colleague or a friend, someone who has a different lens than you, not someone who's necessarily going to agree with you, but someone who will give you direct feedback and help you see from a different lens. And then third is you can self-coach. And I have a guide that I'm happy to um, share with you all at the end that helps you practice self-coaching. But going back to my languishing example, I had just moved to Dallas, where I am now, right before we went into COVID. So I'm new to town. I'm new to the role that I'm, I'm taking at my job. And I am feeling really isolated being in my apartment with Richard the dog all day and all night. And I'm feeling very depleted. And so I started to get in my head a little bit that I am failing at my job and I'm not doing well and I, I'm not seeing the reactions or the, the impact of the work that I'm doing. So I'm starting to make up all these stories. And so I had to take a pause and check my gray dots. My gray dots were, I am a female in a male dominant industry. I am a new person in an organization with mostly tenured people. And I'm an HR professional or a talent development professional in a world of engineers. They don't think that I'm credible. They don't think that I'm smart. So I took these gray dots to my colleague and I said, can you help me understand what I'm not seeing? And he was then able to provide some context and understanding that helped me realize I was behaving off of my gray dots that weren't even factual. They weren't even real. So I had to get rid of them. So I want you to ask yourself, what are your potential gray dots about the thing that's weighing you down? And who is one person that you can go to that can help you unsee those gray dots? Okay. Hopefully you're not dizzy by this grid. So we'll move on to the last piece, which is replace. So replace. This means that we're taking our negative thought and emotion and we're inserting a more positive and functional thought habit. Okay, let me caveat a few things. Replace does not mean that we are not acknowledging that something is weighing you down. Replace does not mean that we're finding a solution for what's weighing you down. And finally, replace does not mean that we're glossing over the fact that something's weighing you down. You've got this negative emotion and we're slapping positive psychology on it and moving on. It simply means that we're taking this negative thought that's keeping us up at night, that's weighing us down, and we're having a go-to action that helps us get through that thing that's weighing us down. So we can still show up for all the other roles that you play in your life. In psychology, we call this cognitive restructuring, and that's a mouthful. So we say replace here. And essentially, it's just like learning any other skill. It may seem hard to pause yourself in the middle of a feeling and say, okay, now I'm going to do something. I'm going to take action. But it shows that studies show that this is just comparable to any other learned skill. The more that you do it, practice it, the more likely that you are to go into your go-to replacement action. So I'll give you an example. Back to my languishing, sitting in my apartment day after day, having conversations with Richard, and I'm sitting at my computer for the eighth hour of the day, and I have this huge to-do list, but I simply don't want to stare at the computer anymore. And I feel this wave of cold just rush over me, and then my face gets hot because I feel overwhelmed. 
And so what I do, instead of zooming in and trying to get more done, I take that as my trigger to zoom out. And I replace that feeling with a walk. I take Richard on a walk around the neighborhood, even if it's just around my building. Um, I'll just insert something that's going to give me a little bit of clarity so that I can get back to work. The work is still there, but now I'm a little bit more clear-minded. Another thing that I try to do, um, a replacement action, is I wake up every day and I write down three things that I'm grateful for. And I put them on all different colored sticky notes and put them on a flip chart on the back of my bedroom door because it's bright and happy. And sometimes when I feel that feeling, I go over and I sift through some of those um, notes and I remind myself of things that are going well in my life. And it gives me a little bit more perspective. So here are a few ideas on how you can replace. And let me just say that replace doesn't mean you have to replace with an action that's productive. You can replace with an action that makes you feel joyful. Here are a couple of items that people have shared with me that they do when they rename that negative thought of emotion and they want to replace it with something that either makes them feel joyful or gets them out of that um, swirling feeling that's going to keep them not focused on what they need to be doing. Is there anything here that you might want to try? And is there anything different that you would add here? And you're, you can feel free to type that in the chat as well. I know one of my personal favorites in the nurture the mind, the, the fourth bullet, create a stop doing list. So I was for a long time, I had this ridiculous to-do list that had that had all these really big aspirational goals on them. For example, write a book. Well, on your weekly to-do list, you probably shouldn't have write a book on it because that's something that takes a lot of time and, and energy and you should carve out opportunities to work on that in small bits. And so week after week would pass by and I would stare at my to-do list and I'd have this goal on there that I wouldn't take any action toward. I had made no movement or progress. And it would start to make me feel really guilty that I wasn't making any movement. So I decided I am creating a stop doing list. Everything that I'm not going to think about and I'm not going to do right now, I put on this list. And it freed me up to feel so much better about the little things that I was doing every day. So I have a big stop doing list that I keep right next to my to-do list. So I remember, this is not where I focus my energy and time right now. What's manageable? What can I do today that's going to make me feel like we're moving with progress throughout my life? All right. So finally, in closing, um, you know, I want to bring you back to my scuba story. And obviously, I got certified and I made it alive to, to talk with all of you today. And so I'm on the boat on my way back to the dock where I can see my grandfather Gramps waiting for me like a parent waiting for the kid to get off the school bus. And I'm so elated. I'm proud of myself that I've overcome this fear to get scuba certified. And I actually had fun. It was a blast. And I wait to, I can't wait to see him. And I tell him, Gramps, 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 I'm so excited. Look what I did. I'm so proud of myself. And for a moment, we share this connection where he's excited and proud, proud of me. And shortly after that, he says, get back on the boat. You're going out for another dive. 
I was panicked again, but this time I was much better equipped because of course I had been through it and I knew what to expect and it felt easier. I was still scared. I was still a little apprehensive, but it was easier. And as event professionals, as leaders, you are asked to do hard things. You're going to be asked to do something new and something foreign that's going to seem scary and challenging. And it is, but you can and you will do it. Without that struggle, there is no growth. And without the growth, you're not building resilience. So as you engage in these new endeavors that our world is definitely going to bring our our way, just use the RE3 model to help you manage those negative thoughts and emotions so that you can show up and take the chance and jump off of the boat into the water and feel relieved until the next challenge comes around. So final question, if you were able to apply the RE3 model to get to that under the surface feeling more often, what could that do for your business, for your relationships, and for yourself. What could that do for your business, for your relationships, personally and professionally, and for you? And then lastly, I have a self-coaching guide here for you. If you want to scan this QR code and download it, I will not spam you, Um, but it's a 30-day question challenge, and it's something that you can do with yourself, you can do with your team, you can do with a partner, a friend. I I did this with my accountability buddy, uh, who is my podcast co-host, and this is actually was the from the birth of the stop doing list. And it's a way to really be reflective and help you uncover what's keeping you stuck, what's weighing you down, what's motivating you, and to incorporate that more often in your life so that you can show up for all the other roles that you're playing. And if you don't have this, we can connect and I'll send it to you. If you haven't had a chance to take a snap of it and here's some of my handles, I would love to stay connected and learn about other ways that you are managing your thoughts and emotions so you can show up. Thank you. Alicia. Thanks so, so much for uh, those fabulous tips. Um, uh, I got really excited watching the uh, um, slides on the uh, RE3 model and those tips on the rename, reframe and replace. Um, uh, I think that uh, people were uh, just so fascinated by your talk that, um, you know, they were just so engrossed um, uh, listening uh, to what you were saying that, Unfortunately, yeah, at the moment, you know, there are no comments, um, but um, uh, but thank you for your fabulous presentation. And uh, I'd really like to encourage anybody that's watching live to uh, now go into the uh, live chat session with Alicia where you can uh, just um, uh, chat informally. Um, so um, a huge big thank you for us and uh, we'll catch up on the live chat now. Um, so please do log in. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you.